Ladies and gentlemen, we welcome you to another episode where Hornswoggle resides. So grab some chairs, a table, maybe a ladder, some candlesticks, and come with us as we do this podcast and record from Under the Apron. Before I begin, so a few weeks ago, this guy, DJ Crazy 76 came to my live one night and told me about himself, that about a year ago, he had a stroke, and how he had to learn how to walk and talk again, so he's going on walks around his neighborhood, what would take us perhaps 20 minutes, now takes him double or triple that time, so on June 17th of this year, he will be a part of the walk a mile for the walk to end epilepsy in Philadelphia, He legit. I had him in the box on my live stream and we talked. I mentioned this last week and I was trying to invite him to get him to speak more about his situation and his story. This past week I found out he deactivated. Although I still have the Epilepsy Walk fundraiser on the show notes and we're still talking about it on the podcast, I'm going to keep it on till June 17th. I messaged the Epilepsy Foundation and told them what was happening and hopefully they get back to me soon. Here's a challenge for you all. I challenge you all to take a walk for DJ Crazy. Yes, I know, he's a stranger. Never met him either. But I'm a sucker for the underdog stories, as you all know. Especially since I dealt with my diabetes these past two years. And I was able to beat it. So take a walk, however miles you want, all month long. Go out for a walk, clock it in. There are 30 days in June. Why not do 30 miles? Perhaps you decide. Let's call this the From Under the Apron 30 Miles in June Challenge. Yes, I know. It's such a long-ass thing. Go outside or inside on the treadmill and either run, walk, do whatever you want. Don't forget your Fitbit. And don't forget to tag me on the socials so we can all support you. I already did it. I did one mile earlier in the week. So... Uh, I'm ready for this, for this um, thing. Let's go. Let's do it. Hi, everyone. This is JJ, the co-founder of Good Pods. If you haven't heard of it yet, Good Pods is like Goodreads or Instagram, but for podcasts. It's new, it's social, it's different, and it's growing really fast. There are more than 2 million podcasts, and we know that it is impossible to figure out what to listen to. On Good Pods, you follow your friends and podcasters to see what they like. That is the number one way to discover new shows and episodes. You can find Good Pods on the web or download the app. Happy listening! We are taking a look back at episode two of the first season of Heels on the Stars Network, the rewatch and review. Episode one, titled Kayfabe, we talked about in the last episode. We need to work on the rating system on this show, so let's start giving them heels and faces. 
Five for ultimate heal. It means it has heat. It's all anybody can talk about. It was an awesome episode. Four is a heal. It means it's doing its job as a heal, but it needs an extra oomph. Three is a face. You'll cheer for it, but it needed something. It needs work. It's not over yet. Two is a baby face. It was good, but you wish the episode needed something more. But it will grow on you. One is Stone Cold. You know exactly what that means. It dwells between good and bad. And the hero. And zero. The hum- ultimate humiliation. Zero is green. Which in wrestling terms means that it feels new. Makes a few mistakes here and there. But wouldn't recommend to anyone to watch it. Episode 2 is titled Dusty Finish. A dusty finish is an ending to a match where the babyface appears to win, but later the decision is reversed on a technicality. It is named after Dusty Rhodes, who booked so many such finishes when he was in charge of Mid-Atlantic Wrestling, later known as World Championship Wrestling. The episode aired on August 22nd, 2021, and it was directed by Peter Segal. The synopsis is, as the wrestlers of the DWL worry about the fallout from the previous show, Jack struggles with the direction to take the narrative and the league, especially after an enticing offer from the FDWD's Charlie Gully. Alright, so it's been a few days since the fallout of the first episode. Show opens with Ace having sex with his girlfriend, Crystal. Next, we see Jack working on his laptop for the next episode of the show. He gets up to go to the bathroom and is in pain from a few nights before. He has a shine on his face and for some reason a cut on his back and is probably from the fall he took after taking that punch to the face. Maybe because it's an indie scene, the edges of the ring apron, which is the hard part of the ring, cut his back and he did land awkwardly. We see him getting ready montage footage of the town again. Next scene is Jack arriving at his job where they sell lawnmowers. He goes to his office and his chair is missing. His boss comes out of the bathroom and in a condescending tone tells Jack to get here when he can. Like, you know, oh sure, get here whenever you can, buddy. Jack thinks his boss has his chair, to which his boss replies, These are his chairs. He wants a chair that works? Get here on time. He finally looks at Jack's face and sees the big welt on his face and adds in, I thought wrestling was fake. Jack wants to fight him. The next clip is Rooster, Diego, and Apocalypse laughing and watching the new ad for Florida Wrestling Dystopia. Again, more old footage of classic TNA. This one including Rob Van Dam, Abyss, and the Mexican wrestler Macias, who went on to play Mil Muertes in Lucha Underground. Charlie Gully gets on the screen and yells, The South belongs to him! So death to Jack Spade in the Duffy Wrestling League. All three of them are in the weight room, shooting the shit, so to speak, about the DLDF when Bobby Kennedy pin comes running right in with his body painted all green, asking the rest of the boys how it looks. They all stare confused at him. He explains to them that he went to Atlanta the night before to be an extra in a superhero movie, and they painted him green. They sat around all night, got eaten up by mosquitoes, and never got to be on camera, but to him it was all worth it. Because when he saw himself in the mirror, he had an aha moment and thought that this was it for him. 
He smiles as he stares at himself in the mirror and then looks at the boys to reveal his new name. Turquoise. Rooster is disappointed. Willie shows up to help change the battery on the smoke alarm and yells at the rest of the guys for not knowing how to do a simple job, all while not caring what Bobby's saying or how he's painted. She installs the batteries and the boys ask her to please not cancel the show. Willie says there will be a show, just that Jack hasn't finished the script. Rooster realizes that Jack has the script ready by the middle of the week and it hasn't been done yet. Then why did he do ace like that? Right before Willie leaves, she says that Jack was probably working on a hot new angle for Turquoise, who seems excited and think that he they already talked it over. Diego and Rooster seem upset that the thing with Ace might have cost them a bit, but Apocalypse seems to have the situation under control and changes the vibe. He tells everyone to be gracious. Everything will be fine. Rooster says that things aren't fine. Just the way Jack treats his brother, imagine what would happen to them. Next scene is Jack, Dave's job, Lucky's lawn care, where they sell the lawnmowers. Jack's boss, Tim Root, played by Stephen Reddington, is trying to sell a lawnmower to a customer. Reddington played Dr. Bradley Jenkins for 10 episodes on the hit TV show, The Resident. Here, he's trying to convince the customer to take the latest lawnmower model that has a cup holder. If he can't do it, he tags in Jack, who comes in to lower the price and gets him to buy an older model and still have a cup holder while telling him a story about how when he was younger, he used to love watching his dad mow the lawn in one of those. And sometimes he put young Jack on his lap while drinking his beer when his mama wasn't around. He then says that nowadays he mows his own lawn with one of those. With his son on his lap. The customer says that great and all, but his son needs the exercise. So they try to sell him one of the push mowers, and again, he says, No, he's good, and leaves the store. Why the hell is he there then? Tim argues with Jack, saying that they had him, but Jack had to add in some flair and overdo it. There's another wrestling term for y'all. Flair. After nature boy Ric Flair. Due to his styling and profiling. Flared up antics. Ric Flair drip as they say. Woo! Jack says he doesn't have enough money. And Tim says the man drove here in his platinum Ford F-350. Looking for more. But he had to be overdramatic. Jack says he was trying to tee it up. Tim says he already had it teed up by saying when his wife is bitching and the kids are moaning it's nice to get drunk to cut the yard. Uh, Tim continues on Jack saying that his grandfather admires his flair for trying to sell but this is Tim's store now and that shiner freaks people out. Use some of his wife's makeup. Next scene Jack's wife Stacy and son hear some commotion in the attic. She goes to check and is startled by a squirrel and falls down off the stairs. She doesn't hurt herself, but her and her son find it funny. Later on, as she's preparing dinner, Jack comes home, gets inside his house, and in a hurry to open a bottle of beer from his fridge. Another day where he avoids punching his boss in the face, as he says. Stacy wants to talk to Jack about the squirrel, and they show the disconnect of the family. Jack says he doesn't have time. He has to work on the script and leaves. Next scene is Mama Carol Spade fixing some delicious and scrumptious family dinner. Mmm. 
but she hears more commotion from the upstairs bedroom. Yes, that first scene of Ace and Crystal having sex just happened to be in his mom's house. And yes, Mama Carol's a homebody unless she has to go to get groceries to fix dinner. That poor woman has to hear her son's girlfriend, Crystal, yell out the Lord's name. In his bedroom, Ace and Crystal played a cuphead game. Crystal seems to have defeated him, and Ace is frustrated. He stands up to go and grab the phone. Crystal warns him that Ace already called Wild Bill twice, and he should leave it alone. Ace ignores her and tells her Wild Bill wanted Ace to stick some punches that look real, and he did. He just wants to make sure he saw it. Again, they go straight to voicemail. Ace tries to leave one, but his mom is yelling that dinner is ready. Frustrated as he is, he hangs up the phone. Hopefully he deleted the message, but it went sent and continues to be dramatic. Crystal gets up from the bed and reassures that he's, he's going to be a great wrestler and not to listen to his head. Ace and Crystal finally get out of the bedroom and Mama Carol calls Ace for dinner. She sets up his plate and her own plate. Ace questions if it's a casserole again to which she ignores him. Mama Carol sits down to eat. Ace asks Crystal if she wants to stay for dinner, to which Carol says she only made enough for two. Ace yells saying it's just a casserole, Mom. Crystal says she has to go anyway and walks out the door, leaving Ace frustrated. Nothing ever going good for that guy. Carol follows Crystal outside and asks how he's doing. Crystal says she doesn't know. Carol yells at Crystal, saying that they've been in the house all day doing the ungodly in a house where she can hear everything, and not once did she ask how Ace was doing. She tells Crystal if she cares about the boy, she would leave him alone. Crystal tells Carol that they're partners. They're supposed to be together. Carol says, no, that's scripted. That's all make-believe. It's fake. And tell Jack and Willie that Ace is going to make a clean break. He's going to build a regular life for himself. Crystal tells Carol that Ace is really lucky his mom cares so much and let her know if they need anything. It's the guilty by association treatment. Willie and Jack don't like her because she's an outsider with Ace looking in, but she loves wrestling so she feels like she belongs. Mom doesn't like her because she thinks Crystal is what she called the other girls, a Jezebel. Crystal just wants to belong. She loves wrestling, so she figured her boyfriend is into it. Maybe she can hang. Next scene is Big Nick's Diner, Charlie Gully, played by Mike O'Malley. If I haven't sung his praises yet, because the guy's an awesome actor. From Yes Dear to Glee, here he's an asshole. He meets up with Willie to tell her he wants to buy the dome. He tells her that Jack's behind on a lot of bills. He's offering a bailout before foreclosure. He needs a base in Georgia for his ever-expanding empire, and the dome is the perfect place for him and his brand. Willie tells Charlie that the dome is not for sale, and Jack is not looking for a partner. Maybe Charlie would reconsider being a silent investor. Hmm. Silent Investor. That happened in real life. WWE was ECW's Silent Investor. It's what they thrived for all those years until they got a deal with TNT and Vince McMahon could no longer help Paul Heyman out. 
It's why not only did Vince buy out WCW, but ECW along with it. Charlie tells Willie to get the fuck out of here. <laughs> He's not investing with a douchebag who messed up with his livelihood by running his mouth on two different wrestling podcasts. He proceeds to show Willie a clip of Jack calling out Charlie. Quote, Charlie Gully is a hack and a carpetbagger. He should be shipped out of town in a steel coffin or whatever he holds as bait and worms. End quote. Willie tells Charlie that Jack was comparing and contrasting. His father had just died. He said things. Charlie says, boo fucking who. Get in fucking line. Watch the fucking Lion King. It's a circle of fucking life. Jack is a conceited little fuck and he's going to get what's coming for him. Willie says, well, you know where to find them if you want to go after him. Charlie says he's not going after him. He's already here. Not bad for a family diner. Although I didn't see any children at late at night hanging around. And the waitresses were probably saying, oh shit, it's these two again. Willie tells Charlie that his show sucks. Partly because he's a latecomer in a business with no real sense of history. But because he's also not from Georgia. He thinks because these people are poor that they're dumb. Since they're dumb, they just want to see violent shitheads get busted open with baseball bats. But they come to the LDL because they want to see a good story. Doesn't matter how fancy the arena is or if anybody pleads. Just that they care. That they truly give a shit about the guys. Their guys. In the ring. Laughing and raging. And yeah, tearing it up. And that's why a fifth of Charlie's budget. The DWL is still his competition. That's why one day soon. The DWL is going to be the competition. She takes her lighter and lights her cigarette. She blows smoke into Charlie's face. That was a damn great promo. Charlie answers her back with Jack's ego is going to be the downfall of the DWO. Jump ship before she goes down with it. Willie frustrated gets up and leaves. What is up? This is Fuck It Let's Talk with your host, Christine. Monthly, I'll be here to discuss the ups and woes of parenting and explore topics with other parents, or not parents, in hopes of finding a little sanity. Just a warning, the keyword here is puke. Eventually you'll get it. So come join me where we explore honest takes on parenting and life. Don't forget to follow on Spotify or subscribe wherever else the podcast is available. Be sure to check out the polls on Anchor, where you can also show some support if it tickles your fancy. And if you want more, head on over to the newsletter, F It Let's Talk on WordPress. I look forward to curse chatting with you. Fuck it. Let's talk. Back at Jack's home, Jack is watching American Wrestling Now, the podcast hosted on YouTube by Gabe and Todd, bunch of marks, basically reviewing the last DWL show and saying how shitty it was that the eighth match ended in 20 seconds or less, and how Jack is ripping people off. They say Jack can suck there, but Stacy closes the laptop and tells Jack next time get headphones, and not in front of the family where their son is sitting also. Thomas asks his dad if Ace is okay, and he's about to tell Thomas 
when they hear a ruckus from the attic. Thomas yells out, Squirrel! Jack looks confused, like, what? Again, the disconnect. Stacy tells Jack that this is what she was trying to tell Jack earlier. They have squirrels in the attic. Jack's phone rings. Stacy gives Jack the phone as he slurps his spaghetti, and he takes the phone call outside instead of worrying about the squirrel. Willie explains to him everything that just happened with Charlie and how he wants to buy the dome. Jack yells, fuck him. Fuck, wait, but for how much? Willie says it doesn't matter, fuck the guy. But the reason she called was she needs the script for the next show. Jack goes on a tangent about how Charlie is scared and it's the reason why he wants to buy them out. Charlie knows the dome is SRO, which means it's standing room only. Jack says Charlie knows they're about to blow up bigger and better before. Willie asks Jack about Ace. Jack says Ace isn't on the card. Willie says she's not talking about wrestling. Jack ignores it and says to check her email. He'll send the script. Crystal finally gets home. Some kids playing on the trampoline asking Crystal to play with them. She tells them she's had a long day, but the kids pout and make her feel bad. She decides to go wrestle with them because, you know, so innocent. Why not? She suplexes one of them and the other is ready to go for it as well. Feels so damn wholesome. The whole thing that the adults don't like her, but she's loved by the kids. Makes you think of someone else, doesn't it? Cut to Ace playing the cup game again. Probably been in his room all day. Finally, gets a call back from Wild Bill, who tells him that he got all 14 of his voicemails. Voicemails? Voice messages? Doesn't matter. You know, voicemails. Ace tells him that he's just trying to figure out what the next step were and how the developmental contract works. We see where Wild Bill is hanging out at. In a cheap hotel with a girl laying on the bed naked. Wild Bill tells Ace they're going to have to pump the brakes on the developmental issue because he is going to reevaluate until he gets back to Duffy. He tells Ace that when he broke down, it looked like a four-year-old finding his dead goldfish and it wasn't a good look. He knows that's not how it's supposed to go down, but he needs to be ready. He's always performing. Wild Bill advises Ace to jump on a rival promotion like Charlie Gully's to make Jack mad. There's dopey other ones on the come up, and he should go there. Ace is young, and he still has a little fight left in him, and it is what it is, kid. Ace hangs up the phone and closes the door to his room. Back in Jack's room, we see more of the disconnection between him and his family. Stacy tells him that maybe after the show, he can spend time with the family. Thomas likes soccer, and she wants Jack to teach him how to play. Jack seems annoyed by this. He says, what's to learn? You run, you kick the ball, and you run again. She tells him that he can't even kick the ball with the grass in the way. Jack changes the subject. If he eases up now, he might as well fold. Charlie Gully is after him. So now Jack is obsessed and wants to work harder on his business than worry about his family. Jack tells Stacy that Charlie's legit trying to start a territory war like it's the 1980s all over again. Well, the 80s wrestling territory war back in the golden age of wrestling. The U.S. consisted of mainly three competing 
Wrestling Promotions, the American Wrestling Association in the Midwest, the National Wrestling Alliance, which consisted of various wrestling promotions which operated within a territorial system around the country, and the World Wrestling Federation in the Northeast. Stacy tells Jack he doesn't even remember the 80s. Jack says he knows what he read, what he was told, and what he's seen. And the same as every other wrestling historian or fan out there, the story changes based on biasness. Jack tells Stacy he just needs to watch his back, keep grinding, keep working. Stacy asks if he watched the match with him and Ace. She went to check on him, and he hasn't come out of his room since. Well, only to eat with his mom, but why would Ace want to see his wife or his brother? He's probably thinking other things at the time as well, like she's probably here to spy on him. Jack tells Stacy he doesn't want to talk about it right now, but he wants to talk about Charlie Gully and who's coming after him. Stacy says she wants to process why he did what that to him, his own brother. Jack says she's asking him questions. Questions that require him to talk and he doesn't want to do that right now. He wants to bitch and moan about Charlie Gully and not about his brother. Stacy suggests Jack apologizes to Ace because that's his brother. Jack says he did what he did for his own good. What the hell does that even mean? Stacy tells Jack he needs to cancel the next show until he talks to Ace and apologizes because he's his brother and not because he needs him for the wrestling. He may never get another big chance. She tells Jack it may not bother him now, but she knows how brilliant, creative, storytelling husband, who's also a good talker when he knows what he's passionate about, should acknowledge that when he's not talking now, it doesn't mean that eventually he's going to have to talk to his baby brother about why he did what he did. Jack says he can't cancel the show because there are people that are there that rely on the show to make money. Stacy asks how, but again, they hear a ruckus in the attic. Ma, the squirrels are at it again. Jack says this is not fair. Stacy grabs her pillow and says she's going to sleep on the couch because it's more comfortable there. She leaves towards the door and adds one more thing to say. She asks Jack if she remembers when they needed a new mattress and Jack bought a pyrotechnic equipment instead. Jack replies with, yeah. Stacy rolls her eyes, disappointed, and leaves. And then he says goodnight. What the hell? Hi everyone, I'm Lisa. And I'm Dawn. And if you've ever watched a TV show and thought to yourself, oh my god, that season finale plot twist was absolutely bonkers. Or seen a movie and thought, wow, I need to talk to somebody about this train wreck immediately. Then we think you'll fit right in with our podcast, I Hate It, Let's Watch It. We watch TV shows like Riverdale and Emily in Paris. And movies like Deep Water, Killer Sofa, Rubber, and Deadly Illusions. And we give them the total rinse they deserve. It's basically group therapy for movie masochists. So come check us out wherever you stream podcasts. Next thing, Carol gets a phone call from Jimmy, whose wife, Melanie, is in labor. She tries to go wake up Ace, but won't answer the door. She goes around the yard, and the window is open, so he must have gone. But he left the phone on the bed. She freaks out and calls Jack to wake him up out of bed. Jack arrives to his mom's house with crystals all waiting also. Jim texted her saying he was worried as well, so she went to the house to check on him as well as his mom. Carol says the opportunistic parasitic part. <laughs> Carol says the opportunistic parasitic tart checked in on Ace before Jack could. 
Mama Carol with these insults are killing me. They walk into his room again checking and didn't realize until the next episode why they're freaking out so badly. And I don't want to spoil it just yet, but if you've seen it, then that's the reason. But without the spoiler, and I did talk about this on the first episode, their father took his own life. So I get the, oh shit, something might have happened or is happening moment here. Crystal thinks maybe he's at the dome. Jack says no. He probably went to the lucky stand. Jack is in his car. Crystal jumps in as well, saying maybe she can help him. She doesn't want to stay with Mama Carol. Annoyed, Jack starts the car and drives off. But we see where Ace is at. He's running around the neighborhood yelling and screaming and throwing his bottle liquor at the Duffy sign. However, back in the car, Crystal asks Jack if he thinks Ace is going to do something bad. Jack says no. His sock drawer was open. Back when they were younger, he taught Ace how to hide his liquor on the sock drawer, so he's probably on the bench right now. Jack then says the lucky stand is the place where, where when he was younger, he would hunt deer, and he only called it that because he would always get lucky. Then, when things got bad at home with their dad, he grabbed Ace and took him there to help him. Crystal asked if Tom was an alcoholic. Jack nods yes. Crystal says so was her mom with Jin. They're bonding. Jack sees she's not a bad person after all. He turns his attention to the road and stops right in front of a possum. Crystal yells she thought Jack was a hunter and he'd rather stop for a possum. Jack says he felt, always felt bad afterwards. They get to the lucky stand and Ace is nowhere to be found. Instead, Ace is walking around the town until he finds a sports bar where Rooster works and is singing karaoke with another patron. He walks in and everyone stops to stare at Ace. Rooster finishes his karaoke and checks in on Ace who orders another two shots of whiskey. Rooster texts Jack and tells him Ace is there at the bar. Jack speeds up to get to there sooner. Next, we see Rooster about to introduce someone else for the next song, Karaoke Night. But Ace is seen fumbling and running into people. Ace tells Rooster it's his turn and to introduce him. A couple of hecklers who are playing pool yell out that they bet Ace is going to play a sad song. Yeah, a real tearjerker making fun of what that happened the night before or the week before. Ace gets on the stage, smiles, and calls out the heckler saying he hasn't seen him in a minute. Travis the heckler says he just saw Ace last week and getting his shit pushed in by his brother. Ace begins to sing some unknown sad boy song in the sloppiest of ways that made the patrons scowl in disgust. Jack and Crystal finally walk into the bar to the sound of Booze coming from people and the hecklers asking if Ace is really crying on stage right now. He stops singing and just starts yelling at everyone who's booing him, saying how they are pathetic for this being the best part of their week and coming to a karaoke bar in the middle of bumfuck nowhere. Crystal seems concerned, but Jack doesn't. His wheels and his head are spinning because he just knows he can capitalize on this and turn Ace heel. Travis continues to heckle Ace and Ace just tells him to come a little closer and say his face. Travis walks over to him and Rooster stops him but Travis says that's right. You can't fight unless it's your fake wrestling. Ace runs up to Travis and Travis somehow throws Ace on the floor. Jack checks in on Ace and Travis says to get his crybaby little brother and leave. 
Jack runs up to Travis and throws a punch with Jack Duck. Jack ducks the punch, Travis in the gut, and hoists him up for a rock bottom. Yeah, rock bottom on the stage. Jack walks away trying to pick up Ace, but he gets hit from behind with a pool stick, inciting a bar fight. Jack pushes one of the hecklers at Ace, who clotheslines him. Now they're teaming with each other and using wrestling moves on these people. It ain't fake after all, guys. Crystal gets in on the action and swings a steel chair at one of the hecklers who ducks and calls her a crazy bitch. Jack grabs the heckler from behind and Rooster grabs Crystal from behind and takes her away. Rooster security takes both Ace and Jack outside with Crystal and Rooster tells him not inside. He needs the money. Jack says he'll pay for the damages. Jack, Travis comes back outside with his boys and still wants to smoke. Rooster says, go ahead. There's nothing to break out here except for them. Ace tries to go, but Jack stops him. Travis says he know they were pussies like their old man. Rest, Rooster has that oh shit there and steps aside. Jack and Ace, they're back at Travis with, what the fuck did you just say? Ace and Jack walk over there, but he gets Urkarana from Crystal out of nowhere. That was a pop. She gets up, looks down at Travis, and walks over to Ace and says, Come on, let's go. As she walks to the car, Rooster doesn't even stop eyeing her. Jack is speechless. Ace didn't think she had it in her. In the car, Ace is hyped that him and Jack were on the same side and teaming against those douchebags. Crystal asks how they like her finisher. They both ignore her and Ace ask if they can go to a food at a place called Crystal with a K. I thought at first they were going to her house to eat, but that's not the case. Jack says, no, Mom is worried, and he can eat there. Ace says he's starving, and Mom made casserole, and it sucks ass. And Jack says, oh, shit, okay then. We see another scene of Stacy singing with her guitar, and again, staring up the ceiling. Fucking squirrels, Ma. Love squirrels again. Back with Jack, Ace, and Crystal to drop off, eating hamburgers and fries, and Ace had a lot of time to reflect on life, mostly the stuff that happened to his father. Ace says, what if one day a black hole comes out of nowhere and swallows them up? They won't know what would happen if their life stopped existing. There might be a moment like you see in disaster movies where everyone is screaming and yelling, and the funny thing is that if you look on YouTube, when people actually see their deaths, they're not screaming. It just feels like silence. And they get over it. Crystal asks what made him think of that, but he falls asleep. They arrive at Mama Carol's house and put Ace to bed. Jack is about to leave, but Ace tells him he hates him. He acts like he's a fucking genius, but he's not. He's just a lawnmower salesman, and he ruined his life. Jack leaves. Carol tells Crystal, thank you for bringing him home. Crystal has that moment where she is relieved to hear those words out of her mouth and then says, you're welcome. She follows Jack outside to stand by his truck to where he starts telling her a story. He says Ace didn't want to wrestle, not one bit. But Jack pushed him into it after their father died and it's coming up to one year now. Crystal says that the last show was such a dick move, like the dick is a dick moves ever. But she thought for sure for his character, it was brilliant. And she saw earlier at the bar that he would make a great heel. 
Jack already wrote the script in his head. Jack's head is just two days ahead of Crystal. Jack gets home to Stacy, who's been sleeping on the couch and is worried about Jack, who shows up at home bleeding. Jack says he's fine. He got it because of Ace, but not because of Ace. Jack gets some frozen peas placed on his head and tells Stacy that Charlie wants to buy the dome and it might be time. Stacy kisses Jack and is implied they had sex on the kitchen counter. Movies and feelings. Pop, pop. Bring Your Own Popcorn is a podcast that dives into people and the movies who love them. Let us preach to your choir or stoke your ire as we spiral down memory lane with cult classics, jurassics, and other genres that rhyme with traffic. What we lack in education, we make up for with comedy, compassion, and camaraderie. I'm your host, Mixtape Majesty, inviting you to join me and an assortment of wonderful guests on fine podcast apps everywhere. Bring Bring your own popcorn. The next day, Jack, Stacy, and Thomas walk up to the hospital. Thomas saying he thinks he heard the squirrels in the kitchen. Wink, wink moment from their mom and dad. Before Stacy leaves to check in on where Melanie's at, Jack asks if he should sell the dome, to which she tells him she wants, just wants to spend some time with the family and not have a all-or-nothing-at-all moment. We see the boys, the wrestling boys, at the gift shop. Rooster, Diego, and Apocalypse watching old footage of the TNA again, or others on the show. Florida wrestling dystopia. Rooster tells the boys to look at the crowd and how much do these wrestlers get paid. Bobby asks the boys if he should buy an elephant, but the elephant is pink. Are elephants supposed to be pink? Do they have elephants in the south? The boys tell Bobby to buy the baby a panda. It's supposed to signal hope. They may be extinct, but it's true. Apocalypse says Jack is doing the best he can. Rooster says that he wants his title shot. Diego says he'll get it soon. Rooster says he's not fucking around with soon. Jack is on Jack's time, and he wants Jack to fuck with Rooster time. If Charlie comes to talk to Rooster, then he will listen. Apocalypse wants no part of this, and Rooster says it's supposed to be our shit. But Apocalypse says, I prefer your shit to stay your shit. I got my own shit. I don't need some extra shit on top of your shit. My shit? Rooster thinks he's not getting respect because he's black. Apocalypse assures him that's not the case. He was the champion for a moment before he blew it. Went to rehab, but they, they still took him back. Tom Spade took him back, and so did Jack, who isn't a mind reader, and to talk to him before he does some crazy shit. Bobby says he's going with the elephant, and now he wants to get him a card, but don't know which. Jack, Stacy, and Thomas finally arrive at the waiting room, and they all cheer for Jimmy. The nurses ask them to all keep quiet. Jimmy is at Melanie's side with the baby. Jack says, making the boys look bad. Stacy says Jack was at bedside, but two hours later, he was in sight. Tight. He was in tight. Wrestling. Bobby says the show must go on and then puts all the attention on the bouquet of flowers for the kitchen family that was sent by Charlie Gully. Mama Carol shows up and tells Jack that Ace doesn't want to walk in the hospital because he's embarrassed for what Jack 
did to him. She leaves to find the restroom. Jack turns around. Stacy stares at him. You know that stare. That stare the wife do at husband. Jack nods and walks out of the waiting room to find Ace outside in the parking lot. Jack tells Ace he's right. He's a lawnmower salesman. And Ace is just a washed-up quarterback who couldn't find a job in Winn-Dixie. But that's what they are if they're not wrestlers. Jack tells Ace their family's a bit fucked up, but they have a wrestling family up there in the waiting room, waiting. They need him. Even he needs them. Ace tells Jack he wants to be scouted again for it to stick. He wants to say to his character and the storylines, Jack says it's a done deal. He will support Ace if Wild Bill comes back. Ace says he never wants to get booed ever again. Jack says he won't. They both leave to the waiting room and meet the new baby. Jimmy hands over the precious baby to Jack and notices Ace is at the door apart from everyone else who surrounds Melanie at her bedside. Ace doesn't want to go inside. He feels like he is better staying out and looking in. Crystal shows up and Jack hands her the baby. That part of wanting to belong. There it is. She's part of a wrestling family. She's no longer out looking in. The whole day passes by and right before Jack goes to work, he tells Stacy he's not going to sell the dome. He tells her it's going to be a rough, but it's going to be okay. They are also going to take a vacation. She tells him that it's going to be nice. Jack then asks if Stacy can put some makeup on him to hide the bruises on his face. Stacy tells Jack to start without her. She has to go make Thomas a plate for dinner. Cold shoulder, perhaps, more disconnection. She maybe wanted him to do something more with it. Because either way, she was fine with it. But it took him fighting with his brother and family to realize that. Jack arrives at his lawnmower service and he, he puts on some concealer. He has a moment of clarity. Next thing we see him pushing against the doors of his job and making his way towards his office. Grabs a steel chair from the bathroom and sits on it to continue the right script for the next show. Next scene, Stacy's drumming her guitar. Thomas runs past her to play soccer. She takes a break to watch the clip of Ace getting booed at again. Why watch it when you were there? She hears ruckus from the attic again. Ma! That meatloaf! Or a squirrel? Stacy goes up to the attic and shoots the squirrel with a BB gun rifle, throws the squirrel in the garbage, and goes outside to throw it in the bin. She watches her son play soccer in the tall grass and then looks at the lawnmower next to her that hasn't been touched in probably a year. She cleans it up a bit, grabs a beer from the cooler, places it on the drink holder, driving that mower to cut that grass, with supposed to be by Lola Kirk playing in the background to end credits. And that's the end of episode two. Alright, now we're going to go with our rating system again. Let's tell the audience how we're rating it. Five for Ultimate Heal. It means it has heat. It's all anybody can talk about. It was an awesome episode. Four is a heal. It means it's doing its job as a heal, but it needs an extra oomph. Three is a face. You'll cheer for it, but it needed something. It needs work. It's not over yet. Two is a baby face. It was good, but you wish the episode needed something more. But it will grow on you. One is Stone Cold. You know exactly what that means. It dwells between good and bad. And the hero and zero 
the hum ultimate humiliation. Zero is green, which in wrestling term means that it feels new, makes a few mistakes here and there, but wouldn't recommend to anyone to watch it. So what do we think of this episode? I'm going to say a four. It's a heel. It did its job. It needed that extra. Perhaps we could have seen a match. Perhaps. Top three favorite scenes. Alright, so the first one is going to be when Crystal and Jack bond in the car. And she tells him, like, yeah, my mom used to be a bench drinker as well. You know, it's like, your dad did this and all this shit. Uh, that was the moment where he saw her and her, like, shit, you know, we have something in common. It's like, why am I being a dick to you? We should be, like, friends. <laughs> but he's not really thinking that. Uh, the second scene is at the bar where they're all fighting. They do the cold rock bottom moves. Uh, throw it into Ace. Ace does a clothesline. Hurricanrana on one of the hecklers from Stacy. That was beautiful, by the way. Wasn't expecting that. I fought for that. And the third favorite scene is now Crystal. She's part of the family, part of the wrestling family. She's no longer outside looking in. She is inside while Ace is standing by the door. Metaphorically speaking, he's out there. He's a one foot out the door, basically. And I really enjoyed that scene. Alright, that's going to do it for the show. Follow us on our socials and support us. From Under the Apron on Instagram, Spotify, and YouTube. Apron underscore stories on the Twitter. More info on the links are where you can find or listen or watch in the show notes. Listen to us on Apple, Spotify, or any other audio media you can listen to podcasts on. Make sure to rate us and leave us a review. And if you feel you want to do a little more, go to patreon.com forward slash from the apron podcast. Support us on the patron, become a top tier patron, and get patron privileges. And I will shout you out at the end of every episode. Just like Babel B, Menace Smiling, Stephanie M, Dark Fate Creations, Jolene, Miniature Dancer 51, Super Solid Kid Eclipse. John Decor, Unexpected Error of Kerr, Seizure Queen, Purple Haze 94, Juan with the Polaroids, Brenda Lamore 1, Zach WWE, Rowena, the Queen of Persia, OMG, it's Ren, Jay Wowser, OG Just PG, Hydrange of Water, The Grunge Witch, Hannah Time, Messenger of Stupidity, This Girl 474, Tommy the Gun, Cherry Bomb, My Favorite DJ, DJ Aaron, The Wee Daddy, Rabbit Orlando, Stormy One, Gamer Girl 1976, Collector of All Things Fundamental, What's the Julian, Mermaid of Queen of the Seas, City Shit, That's Our Ooze right there, The Lofa, Savage Alaskan, Panda 19, Ashley TV, Philly Millie, Brie Flash, Taz Flash Art, That Monster, the Heart Oregon, Valkyrie's Revenge, Cloudy November from the No is a Sentence podcast, Turtle Boy Flores, What's Goody is Black Hoodie 7, Zach from Kick, Happy Chic Blog, Punkard and Your Mother, Hopeful Kid Weasel Eclipse, Silly Billy, 
El Pepe Frito, Uniquely Mystical 420, Master Bill, Scott MG418, Celestial Moon Goddess, Allison Franklin 2023, Tavisir, Dude 4, Tex, Sippy Hippie, Kit Kat Baby, Berudaika, Mickey Loves You, Shot of Patron, who is also going to put in the show notes his website that just came out, ToddReacts.com. That's going to be in the show notes. Y'all should check that out. Most definitely give him some love. Show him some love. Show him in the YouTube channel he has up there. And last but not least, DJ Crazy 76 Again, a few weeks ago, this guy came to my live one night. told me about himself. That about a year ago, he had a stroke, and now he had to learn how to walk and talk again, so he is going to walk around the neighborhood. What would take us perhaps 20 minutes now takes him double or triple that time. So on June 17th of this year, he will be a part of the Walk a Mile for the Walk to End Epilepsy in Philadelphia. He's legit. I had him in the box on my live stream, and we talked. I mentioned this last week, and I was trying to invite him to get him to speak more about the situation and his story. This past week, I found out he deactivated. He is gone. Although, I still have the Epilepsy Walk fundraiser on the show notes, and we're still doing talking about it on the podcast. I'm going to keep it up until June 17th. I messaged the Epilepsy Foundation and told them what was happening, and hopefully they get back to me soon. I also started a challenge. Here's the challenge for you all. I challenge you all to take a walk for DJ Crazy. Yes, I know he's a stranger and never met him either, but I'm a sucker for underdog stories, especially since I dealt with my diabetes the past two years and I was able to beat it. Take a walk however miles you want. All month long, go out for a walk. Clock it in. You're 30 days in June. Why not do 30 miles perhaps? You decide. I've already done my one mile for on Thursday, I believe. Yeah, I know I get to walk. I have to walk more. I'm gonna do it. Gotta do it this Monday. We're gonna do everything we can. We're all gonna do it. Do it with me and join me. We're gonna call this the From Under the Apron 30 Miles in June Challenge. Go outside or inside the treadmill and either run, walk, do whatever you want. Don't forget your Fitbit, and don't forget to tag me on the social so we can all support you. Link for the fundraiser will be in the show notes. Thank you guys for supporting the podcast. Patreon.com forward slash from the Apron Podcast. Get your name shout out. Support the podcast. Check out the show notes for links to other podcast trailers that you heard on this episode. Send us a message to your favorite wrestling stories, questions, comments, ratings, or requests at our email. It is from Apron at gmail.com. Thank you for listening, joining the live, staying the gifts, and being a huge part of this community. Tell your friends. Join us next time for more stories, movies, and TV shows, as well as wrestling-related stories when we come to you from Under the Apron. Ma! Meatloaf! Or the Squirrel. <laughs>